Hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. Sarah Box, your host, and this week we have another great guest, Joanne French. Let me tell you a little bit about Joanne. She is a content strategist and marketing consultant. She has over 25 years of business experience. She is both a dynamic speaker and an engaging workshop facilitator who strongly believes that people learn through play and fun. You're going to hear that because she laughs a lot in our conversation and she's just so genuine. And she feels that when we get to play as adults, that's when our next big idea and innovation actually cuts loose. She also talks about the difference between branding and a personal brand or your brand. Oftentimes those things are confused with one another. And what I found really interesting was her focus on helping people write more effective LinkedIn bios or social media bios that are less of a laundry list about our history and our past and more about the story that tell people who we are genuinely and why that matters to the world and potentially to them. So enjoy the podcast. I really loved my time with Joanne and I'm certain you will too. Let's get started. Welcome, Joanne. I'm so happy to have you on this week's podcast. I'm wondering, before we start talking about you and your journey and your business, if you could tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself, where you are, and what you do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, well, hey, everybody. Uh, this is Joanne uh, French. I own a business called uh, Interviews. And it's a content marketing solutions company. I love to write and do nerdy stuff like write white papers and so forth and do research. My career has been in market research. So I'm constantly a curious person. And I felt like there's a big need for B2B companies and professional services companies to get their credibility and showcase their proof points through their content. So I'm... It's a new business, uh, you know. I've done it throughout my career, but now putting it to practice, I've I'm re- I re- just recently remodeled and restructured my offering. My website's getting redone, and I made a lot of mistakes during the way. Even as a marketer, which just makes you want to scream that I've, you know, some of the advice that I give to my clients, I didn't take myself, and. Uh, but it's all good. You just you just got to learn and, and move on. And that's where I'm at right now with my business. I've made some really great connections and collaborations. And uh, I'm just I'm just happy to be doing what I'm doing right now. And I'm just so, so grateful for everyone that's kind of helped me along the way. And I'm really excited about getting rid of all the junk that was in my business and now just uh, have a clear direction and focus moving forward. So I could tell you about, tell you about that, Sarah. I think we will talk a little bit about that because I know that clarity and focus is a Uh big concern for folks I work with and hear from. It's like, how do you, how do you know when you've got, and I will use these very formal words, junk, too much junk going on, right? So you don't have the clarity right. or the focus, you're pulled in different directions. So from two different perspectives, Joanne, one from your 
history as a you know research strategist content person mm-hmm. but also as a new business person how have you navigated when you stood back and looked kind of at the advice you did not take from yourself how have you navigated to get more clear and specific on your new offerings now what was that process like for you well my so i also have a podcast and in my podcast has turned into my own personal coaching session. I don't tell my guests that are on there, that, that, but, you know, I seek out guests that, that have advice to share, I guess, you know, similar to you. And what I've learned from my guests is that, one, you have to continue in a network. And I found some really great uh, women's business groups in my area that I belong to and have given me that lift and that, that uh, confidence and people that I could talk to that are doing the same things and might be struggling and offer, you know, my advice and take their advice. And I, you know, I realized from one of my last shows that it was funny. She's like, you know, my business began to succeed when I started saying yes. And this woman was, had a mother, was a mother of three small children. And she's like, if somebody just held the baby, that was saying yes, you know, or someone offered to go grocery shopping for her that's a yes and I'm like damn you know I'm not saying yes like you know it's like because a lot of in the the corporate world you're like try to say no so you could have a work-life balance you know try not to take everything on your desk and then not be able to do anything so you kind of have that no like yeah you have that yes yes and you're like crap just keeps piling on your desk until one day you're like no I can't do it anymore so I've, that no has kind of stuck with me, but now I'm like, yes, if you want to help me, yes. I, uh, and uh, I found two people to help me with my website. They're doing it out of their own kind hearts. And, uh, and they, you know, they basically told me I had to break up with my website. They're like, you're in a bad relationship with your website. Get, just stop it. Just, you know, you have to break up with them at your website, just move on and we'll help you. And, And I broke up with my provider. It was, I was in a bad relationship with my website. And I write copy for websites, but I don't do like the skeletal stuff. I work, you know, I work with consultants and stuff like that. But the the person that I hired just over-engineered it so much that I couldn't do anything with it. I couldn't even like post anything. So I got out of that bad relationship with my website. And uh, I said, yes. Normally I'd be like, no, I can handle it. I can do it. And, uh, uh, recently too, I, uh, it's, it's funny. I, I did some, some consulting work for free for someone. They're like, Oh, Hey, let me give you a free coaching session. I'm like, yes, yeah, yes, I'll do it. So, and honestly, that's been really changing my attitude and perspective and my mindset about things. Cause I, I really needed to reset my mindset in a, in a bad way. Like it was kind of like, you know, when you're, when you're in a hole, sometimes you don't even realize you're in the hole until somebody offers you a hand to get out of it. So uh, that's how I felt like I, I went to, you know, to, into, into a rabbit hole and I was still like wandering around <laughs> searching for the carrot. And someone was like, hey, here's the damn carrot, you know, like just grab it. It's right here. Say yes to the carrot. You know, it's just so funny how 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 silly you think some of the silly things that you do when you're in a business and think that you have to do it all yourself and 
afraid to outsource or afraid to say yes and and so forth. So um, I learned I, I learned that lesson I learned that lesson from one of my guests on the on a podcast, which is my therapy session. But don't tell my that's hilarious. <laughs> but that's so true, right? And I do. There is that push pull love relationship with yes no. So there's the no. Mm-hmm. Because it's not, and I practice no a lot for no, it's not taking me where I need to go. But Mm -hmm. I think, and especially for women I work with, saying yes to offers of help is harder, right? Because you you said this, it's like, no, I can do it. It's like, yes, but the rest of that question is, should you do it? Isn't there someone who could do it better, faster, easier? And they actually would have some fun doing it, right? Because that's their stuff. So I just... That's so hilarious Um, and so true. So one of the things that I think is amazing is, you know, you've got this background of writing content and doing that for other people. Did you find when it was time to think about describing yourself and writing content for yourself in your new business, did that come easily to you or did you have a different shift when you had to turn inward? Well, it, so when I worked in corporate America, it was always easier because I had, it wasn't me, it was the corporation. I was always doing, you know, stuff for behind a corporate logo. So one of the hard things uh, that I found when I first started my business was that, well, damn, why, why, why didn't I create my personal brand even when I was in, in corporate America? And uh coming out of, I still like when I started my company, I was like, Oh, here's my brand, my logo and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't really step out of it for a while. And I'm just starting to step out and and create my personal brand more. And that, that's, that was a scary thing to just like feel like, Hey, no, it's, this is, even though, you know, this is Joanne, this isn't, you know, some big, you know, corporation with a thousand, 6,000, however many people, bringing in a billion dollars a year. I'm just like, just one person starting out on herself, you know, and uh, being a, you know, an entrepreneur, I guess you could say, it, it was a little daunting to like put my face on everything because I just slapped the logo on it and walked away. And like, you know, and I, and I spent a lot of my career ghostwriting everything because I mean, as a writer, a lot of people, uh, you just like, here, give it to me. Let me just fix that for you. And you just, you know, and then you end up ghostwriting everyone's blog and white paper and stuff like that and, and uh, webinar and stuff like that. So, it's, and that was fine for me too, because I, you know, I just wanted to see the company shine and the people I worked with shine. But that personal branding thing, I wish I started, you know, earlier, earlier in my career. But when you work in a corporation, it's like, we, 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 it's not me, me, me. And, uh, there's got to be that, that balance of both. And I, you know, anyone who's listening, you know, it's kind of like, um, <laughs> you know, I did get divorced after 20 years of marriage. And when I got divorced, I'm like, why did I do a push up or a sit up, you know, in those 20 years? Now I'm single. I got to lose weight. I have to get into shape. God, for Christ's sake, someone might see me naked. So it's kind of like that. <laughs> I know that's, I'm a little crazy but oh that's fine it's like it's like well damn it why didn't i just put my face out there you know like long ago you know instead of like it's you know instead of hiding behind you know the corporate i think that's a really interesting point though because i know when i and that was similar for me you know it's like okay and someone says no you have to have your i don't want my picture out there can't we come up with like a little symbol sure (laughs) but that's not who you are and people are going to be working with you 
you know? Yes. Okay. But can you just spend a minute or two and distinguish for folks the difference between a logo and a personal brand? Because I think we can, I hear it get lumped together like my brand or our brand, whatever. And they're, they're not, or my understanding is they're not the same thing. You know, your branding versus your brand. Right. I think, um, you know, you still can have, a, a, obviously, you can have a, a logo for your company and, and a, a website and you're going to have branding, which is your colors, your tone, your feel and everything like that. But a personal brand is so important these days because people buy from people. They don't buy from a logo, really. It And, and you know, there's big brands like Nike and you know, my favorite brand is a, is Jeep because I have a Jeep and I love my Jeep and I'm a huge Jeep enthusiast. But it's the way the brand makes you feel. And if you're a small company, that feeling is going to come from you. It's never, ever, ever going to come from your logo, no matter how pretty it is. Um, no one, you know, I'm not going it, to, it's, you know, I'm not going to be a billion dollar company anytime soon. And uh, people aren't going to recognize my brand all around the world, but my clients recognize my face. They know me. They know what they get from me. And the, my company name and logo become secondary to that. That's on the invoices. That's on, you know, the billing that goes on my website. So I think it's, uh, that took me a while to, to, to realize how, how important that brand is, a personal brand is to the company and to everything, everything you do. Um, you have to do both, you know, you have to have your corporate brand and stuff like that, but don't, don't discount or uh, neglect your personal brand in any way. People, it's B2P, not B2C, not B2B, it's B2P, business to people. I think sometimes that gets forgotten. Yeah, or wants to get forgotten. Like I, I didn't want to be the, the, you know, I didn't want to have my face everywhere because I think also, you know, maybe for, you know, I don't know if it's just for women, but you feel like, you know, you might be conceited or you might be, you know, like, well, who am I to, you know, put my face everywhere and stuff like that. But you know what? Steve Jobs did it. I mean, everyone associates Apple with Steve Jobs, um, even though, you know, that, that's a whole other story, but they have both the Apple and Steve Jobs and, and front runners um, of their companies. They, they have their own personal brand as well. And if you... Move, if you sell your company or you are in corporate America, what have you, and uh, leave your job, you, your personal brand goes with you wherever you go. So it's important to nurture that and, and take care of it. So do you recognize or recommend rather that for women in business, even whether they're in a corporate structure or small business, whatever, that in addition to what they're doing for their business, they also maintain or have that personal aspect of them so that should they leave, they would have something they would take with them besides yeah, just a resume? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, you can create your um, personal brand just by starting a blog, starting to be, you know, prolific on social media, the best, you know, the best way you can to talk about, you know, your interests and so forth. I thought I was, you know, had my personal brand just through LinkedIn, but I realized that I, I just like slapped my resume up there on LinkedIn. It really wasn't, I didn't really uh, do much with it until recently. And I'm like, 
I'm a huge proponent of uh, LinkedIn marketing and, and finding uh, business on LinkedIn. Um, but you have, you do have to just, you have to nurture that just like you would uh, with any social media channel where you have to engage and, and understand what your audience wants and so forth to stay relevant. Do you think people underestimate the power of doing that work on a platform such as LinkedIn? Uh, yeah, I do. I think um, there's, you know, LinkedIn is not Facebook. It's really professional. So people go there to be other professionals or people in business. So I think it's a huge opportunity for people to create, a, you know, their profile that, that tells a story beyond their resume. I do, I revamp uh, people's LinkedIn profiles and also their bios to tell stories rather than, um, you know, I hear I did this and I had, these are my awards and bullet, bullet, bullet. It's really, um, it really should come, come to life. So people understand really what you're, what you're, what you're doing and how they can work with you. Well, and that, thank and that you. Sort of thing for teeing up my next question to you because when I was doing some background for you, there was something that you posted on LinkedIn. I spend a fair amount of time there for that reason. I, I get to learn things and meet people that I really respect what they're doing in the world. And one of the things that in a post that you had up there was you wrote that stories that compel and gain trust are what we want to tell when we're talking about our business or ourselves, right? Stories that compel or um, gain trust. Can you talk about um, how that approach, what it means, you know, so what would a story that does that look like or sound like, and how does that differ from what you typically see? Well, again, so stories, stories actually do something to our brain. So we're just geared, like, you know, we're just, geared to want to hear stories and not facts or features or benefits that are, are self-serving to the company and so forth. So if, if we did something for a client, tell us a story about that and engage them with a dialogue or something that that's relatable to them rather than just listing facts that they just kind of might overlook or not not stop by and 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 take a look like stop promoting like promoting like all this noise is promoting promoting like look at me look at me but you know if you tell a story then people you draw them in and make that relatable to them you know like I don't know about you but I I've experienced this when I did that or you know let me let me tell you a story this might it was a little embarrassing but I think it might help you if you put it that you benefit on to anything that you do in marketing, it immediately draws people in and people have a, a more uh, genuine experience uh, with, with you rather than always trying to sell something to them that they think they need because people do not want to be sold to. Nobody, nobody wants to you know, be sold because they always think, they're better than the salesperson in a way. Like, I'm not going to let you trick me. Ha ha. I know you, you're trying to do. Ha ha. So you have to uh, first find that emotional hook. And that emotional hook comes in with a story. Then they're interested. And then their the rational thinking comes in. Like, oh, wow, I like Joanne. This is great. I really need to do this for my business. 
And then like, but wait, do I trust her or not? And then, you know, then, then all those proof points would come in after they've had that, um, like, yeah, this, I can relate to this moment. Then they'll seek all that other credibility and so forth from you. So always tell stories. Don't always promote, add value whenever you can. And I find that adding value is through stories and narrative. That's on the topic of stories, kind of what I want to ask you to to share with us next. So whenever I see somebody, and particularly women who have left one field and gone out on their own to do a startup, and so your business is fairly young, Mm -hmm. um, what was the story or the leap that you took to get from where you were? Because it sounds like you were kind of in corporate America, fairly consistent, solid Mm -hmm. work. To go into a, I will say, risky thing, new yeah, startup, yeah. new business, yeah. Yeah. Um, what was the motivating factor for that? And let's just start with that. What was the motivating factor for that? Well, I did, you know, I did it at the, the companies that I worked for. So I just wanted to take that and do it for, for, other, for other companies as well. So I knew I knew that there was a need out there for it. I mean, that's what any business is. Like they solve problems for people, and you know, this is your problem. Here's how I solve it. Is really you know a good way to tell stories too. So I took the took the risk, and I've been you know swerving around a little bit. Uh, uh, trying to, you know, trying to get my business up and up and running and uh, to be consistent. But I thought, well, what the hell? I, if, if I don't try it now, when am I, when am I going to try it? You know, I could always get a job. Let, let's see where, let's see where this goes. So how did you prepare to do that? Did you save up a bunch to give yourself cushion? Did you start working or creating this business while you were still working full time? How did you think about that transition did you do it all on your own or did you get help or mentors or um well the first well I just kind of threw myself into it to be honest I live in the lower part of Delaware near the beaches it's really lovely here and the there's no industry here so if I wanted to stay here I had to to be on my own and do something for my own so with, with that in mind, I sought out help through the, the SBA to find a business mentor. And for anyone listening, you know, look up your local SBA or SCORE. Down here in Delaware, there's something called the uh, Southern Delaware Business Center. And I was able to find a mentor. They signed me a mentor. And, you know, I went through my business plan. She asked me tough questions. So that was, that's something that I, I recommend every, everybody do. It, it's not just for getting loans and so forth. Um, it's uh, because I, I didn't even try to get a loan. It's very tough to do that. But I just kind of threw my, threw myself into it. And, you know, that, that's all, that's really all I could do at that point. Had a, if I had to do it all over, I would have done that. And I would have gotten a coach. I think, um, I didn't recognize the value that coaches have at that juncture in my 
when I first started out, you know, cause it was, I was in that, oh, I can do it. I can do it. I got it. I got it. What do I, I don't need a coach. I'm a coach. Everyone's a coach. Who's going to, you know what I mean? But no, I'm not, you know, you got, you have to have, um, that someone who's, you know, not, um, emotionally invested in your in business like you are to, to bring in, uh, advice and guidance and, uh, and so forth. I mean, I was smart enough to network with other women in, in my area. And, uh, you know, that was, that was really helpful, but I, if you can get a coach, you know, definitely, definitely try to find a coach. It shortens the learning curve when you have a coach. Yeah. I, yeah. Cause I, I, I totally agree. You know, maybe a coach wouldn't have told me to do this website that I got really stuck in or, you know, I, you know, along the way, you know, you, you start, you know, you, you have these days of real self doubt, like what the heck am I doing? Like, what did I get myself into? Um, and it's really hard. It's you take, you take your failures so much more personally and harder than I ever did in corporate America when I, you know, was working, you know, when I was a vice president and, you know, cause you know, I, but it, my, the people that were above me were like, okay, it's all right. We're going to move on. And I would tell people, all right, we're going to move on. We're, you know, that's okay. But when you're in a business and you, and you make a mistake like that, you just want to, you know, it, you get really depressed about it. You, you could really crawl under a hole and stay there for a while. And, you know, Ben and Jerry's is not going to save you. Like, and then going I back to the, you tried it, the Ben and Jerry's therapy didn't work yeah. for you. I know it doesn't. I, I gained so much weight from this business. I'm not kidding. Like, what am I doing? Like, yeah, I got, I broke up with Ben and Jerry too. I don't recommend. See a website, <laughs> see ice cream. Yeah. I don't recommend that. So we can laugh about that, but that really is, I don't think I've heard anybody say it quite as um, succinctly as you just did, is that the grace that we give other people when mm -hmm. we're in business or when we're their coach or their whatever, the grace we allow others is harder to allow ourselves, especially when you're, you know, to your point, you take it very personal. It is you and your brand, what you're doing. Right. So um, it's been for me also, it's been an interesting thing to think, okay, how was that? And when people say, well, what did you think about that job you just did? Right. And it's like five minutes after I'm going, I have no idea. I need to wait and let it percolate and see how it feels. And I need to see the responses. Did the client or the folks that I served at that moment, did they benefit? And I don't, I don't know that right now because I was too busy working. So I, I think that's great. I liked how you're able to kind of encapsulate that. When you're in that space, since you broke up with Ben and Jerry's, what do you do to get out of it now? How do you, in a more healthy way, move beyond that stuck space? I think for me, it, it's, finding, it's finding help, you know, asking for help, get it, you know, uh, you know, I, like I said, I started the started the podcast. That was still my you know my passion project and so forth. Just getting out, talking with people, find out, take stock in what you really love to do, and and do that for a while. So I, I'm in my career as a professional moderator. 
and the podcast is like, it's just like moderating. So I love that. And I found, I found joy in that. I started, I love to workshop. I just, I just love workshopping. I, I just talk with like a, a marker in my hand. Like I just like, I'm doing it now. Like where's the damn whiteboard? I just she is. To, if you could see yeah. her, she's looking for flip chart and whiteboard right now. I mean, that's just, just what I am. So I know I love that. So I started, you know, I, I have um, classes scheduled in at my local library. I'm going to teach like LinkedIn and Instagram, Instagram classes and so forth. So, you know, look, ha- always have. So this way I have something that I, I'm looking forward to. I'm speaking at a, a, lunch, a, a breakfast, I'm sorry, on Wednesday about charisma. And like, I, I just can't wait to talk about that. I'm a, you wouldn't think I was an introvert, but I really am an introvert. And somewhere along the way, when we talk about self-doubt, and if, you, if you're an introvert, you just kind of automatically think you don't have charisma, or you think charisma might be like a hereditary trait. But it's not. It's so not. It's a skill. It's just like anything else. Like it's a skill that you develop. And guess guess how you become terrific at that skill? Is it practice? Oh. <laughs> stories. Tell stories. Oh, stories. Okay. Tell stories. Use words. Words create endorphins in your brain. So make sure that you're using words uh, to your advantage. So um, when you tell a story. You know, I, you know, you could say, so one of my, one of my shticks is why, why did you move to Delaware? So I could say, well, it's such a lovely place. The people are nice. Or you could say, because I, I needed to avoid a jail sentence, uh, for, for manslaughter. And it was my only way out. And they were like, really? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Cause if I stayed in New York one minute longer, I was going to kill someone and <laughs> go to jail so you like you just tell like you just kind of tell a story about you know I have stories in my head about how what it's like to ride the seven train and how you know how you might come to think that you might kill your someone uh, in the seven train you know so it's stuff like that so it's just having your stories for when people ask you certain questions in your back pocket like what do you do. Why do you live in Delaware? You know, like, why do you live in Delaware? Why do you like dogs? Like, have those stories ready to go, which for introverts, it doesn't come very naturally because we're always kind of st- not stuck for an answer, but they're like, ah, oh, that person doesn't want to hear the whole story, or oh, it's fine, I- I'm doing great. How-, how are you doing? Like, we always like reflect and want to talk to them, but it- having those stories filled with words that create endorphins, like. I'm on an elevated train. Once you say train, you, your mind pictures the train and then that it creates endorphins. And that makes you more memorable because we're all kind of endorphin junkies in a way. And that's, you know, um, even on my business cards now, I, I say that I'm a daydreamer, chronic doodler, and chocolate affectionado. And, uh, but I also write great t- content. So it's, it's just like, let them picture the chocolate because I know that's creating an, an endorphin. I'm going to tell you that's extremely evil. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> As a chocolate junkie, thank you very much. Chocolate and coffee, the two things I'm like going, mm. oh, man, I'm going to start craving them here in a minute. That is so hilarious to me. But I also will say that as you're talking, you when you use words like the train, which is very concrete and you can picture it, but also the elevated 
which is mm-hmm. also a different thing. So you're usually very visual words that are that imply action without making them verbs. Right. So it's interesting. So that to me is very interesting. And I think anybody who sits on this side of a microphone, I would actually think they might be an introvert. Yeah. I do. Because for me, it's the same thing. But I love being out and doing workshops and facilitating because you get to help people, right? right. It's still like having a microphone. It's just there's yeah. not one there. Yeah, so exactly. What is one of the most fun workshops you've done recently? Um, well, it's I did, you know, I did an Instagram workshop recently and I realized that I, I came in with like a, an I has an army a mountain of information with me and I didn't get to any of it because people just wanted to ask me questions about they was like so beginner that it was a good lesson that I didn't really get my audience before I went in went in there and workshop so it was really fun to answer to answer all their those questions but also fun for me to learn that I need to uh, go back and rethink my rethink the workshop. Cause actually we didn't get to the whole workshop part of it where people would be creating posts and, you know, thinking about their, their business. I had this whole setup, like, well, we're going we're gonna to do three businesses. We're going to split into groups and we're going to workshop these things. But we didn't even get to that after two hours. Cause I was really just explaining the basics of Instagram for, for business. So you know, that was, that was a fun, that was a fun workshop for me anyway, because I, I really, I really felt like I made a difference in some of their lives. Well, it sounds like they benefited as well. Yeah. 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 So I, I want to ask you, before we started recording, you made an interesting statement and I would like for you just to talk a little bit more about that, if you would. And what you said was that um, you had a hope when you started your podcast. So I'd like you to describe what your podcast is and then your hope for linking generations, which is my language about kind of where you shared with me. Um, because I love podcasting, so I want to know what's up with you and what your vision for yours is. So so my podcast just focuses on women uh, business owners and I just, I really just let them share their, their story, like how they started up, what they thought, so, you know, there's some, some, some things are similar to this, this conversation. And we usually, um, you know, focus on some kind of theme that might be, might be beneficial. So my hope was that I would help people starting up just like I was that had the deer and the headlights kind of thing. And, and not feel so alone, um, you know, when they're, because there's other women out there. And also, I think the crossing the generational divide, I've had some guests that, one of my guests, she, when she was younger, she's, you know, she's, uh, I think she in her 70s now. I mean, the only jobs that were available then were, you know, housewife, which really, you know, is it a job that you apply for? or um, secretary or nurse. And she's like, I want to get into business. How do I, how do I get into business? And I think it's easy for, for women and, and everyone to forget that how far behind we are really as, as women in a way. If our mothers and grandmothers just didn't have those opportunities, I mean, to, I mean we're, always just, we're always just kind of playing, playing catch up. And I think we're doing a great job. I think there's a lot of um, 
opportunity for women who want to be in business or open their own business out there. But there's still, I think only 3% of all the businesses out there are, are women owned. Um, I don't have all the numbers in my head, but it's, um, and those of those businesses of there are most are making less than a hundred thousand dollars a year uh, compared to, you know, the private sector businesses, at least in, in the U S that are making, you know, a million more, a million dollars or more a year. So there's a long way for us, for us to come. But, um, I, uh, so I, I really just started it for, for that. And I, I do think that, uh, women in my generation and older, I'm Gen X and baby boomers need to come onto this podcast craze. I, I don't think they, you know, I've had conversations with women like, well, what's a podcast exactly? And even one of my guests was like, well, what do I wear for a podcast? And I was like, wait, you didn't, what? <laughs> it's just a podcast. You know, we're just listening. It's not a, you know, so clearly like they haven't really tapped into all the podcasts that are out there. It hasn't become part of their uh, mainstay because probably because they're not commuting to work and, you know, just listening to a podcast. But I think, you know, people ha- are wash- washing dishes and have their earphones in and listening to podcasts as a way to learn and, 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 and grow. So I'd like to see there are more men listeners than women uh, for podcasts. And it's, it's, I don't know why, but, uh, I don't know why. I don't, I don't either. I noticed my audience stats too. I'm thinking that's so interesting to me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know why, but I'd like to change, you know, I definitely would like to change that. Yeah. The whole earbud thing is the thing that is perfect. And I think for women, because we tend to be doing things all the time. Like when someone Mm -hmm. says, let's sit down and watch this. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? I'm not (laughs) sitting down. It's the middle of the day. I have things I want to do. Or could we just listen? Listen. People paint pictures with words. I don't need to actually see their picture. Which is why I loved your story. You had offered that you would be able to sit down and I'm virtually sit down with people who mm-hmm. might want to connect with you and understand more about their own profile on LinkedIn. Can you share what that, if, if I were to say, hey, Joanne, um, what would connecting with you in that way look like? Can you tell me what that offer is? Well, it's, you know, I, I so I run, so I'm running a, a LinkedIn workshop so people can update, update their, their profile. But basically, you know, Obviously, I just do in my local area, but just contact me and I'll ask you questions. And you can do this on your own if you don't if you don't talk to me or someone else. Is what's your story all about? Not um, so. I recently changed up a profile for a neurotherapist, and I'm, I'm like, well, how did you get into it? What made you go into this field? It's so exciting. And she told me her whole story that about her friend who had a stroke and they used neurotherapy and she was back to work in two weeks. And none of that was in her profile. None of that. She just said, I went to school here. I did this. I talked to this teacher. I did the, 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 like, boy, it was like really boring. So, but this, right? This, the woman had a stroke and she went back to work in two weeks. That's really, that's really powerful. Like people would want to know more about you, want to know more about neurotherapy. She had a, you know, her son, 
played hockey and had a lot of injuries to his brain and she did neurotherapy on him and and you know he's you could see on his brain maps how his brain kind of changed through that so those those are very powerful stories that you need to put into your profile um for my my LinkedIn profile is kind of very uh quick you don't have a lot of space in it and um it might not be as free formed uh, as like a bio that you would put in a proposal or anything like that, but it's like what I do, who I work with, uh, are you ready to talk with me? Uh, what, here, how, here's how it works. And I, if I had more space, I would be like, here's why it works and testimonials and stuff like that. So all of it is to like get people moving and understanding you quickly and in an engaging way rather than, I don't know if, if, if like if you won a, a, an Emmy or an award or something like that, yeah, that's great. But tell us how you felt at that moment when you received the reward. That's more interesting and exciting. And how, what brought to that, you to that point to receive the award? Like who in your team do you want to, you know, helped you along the way? Like tell, just tell a good story. So talking that out with someone or me or someone really helps. And again, as part of that personal branding journey that we all go on where you're like, Oh, you know, it's not, I don't want to show my face. You know, I don't want to look conceited or I don't want to, you know, like, who am I? So talking to someone could really bring out all the great things about you to put either in your bio or your LinkedIn. And, And again, it's, especially a bio that might go into a proposal or um, even a speaking opportunity, make sure you tell the people what they're going to get from you. Like it's all about you and uh, or your, your client, I should say, or your audience and not so much about all of the boring stuff that I've done in my life. You know, like I'm going to make you a rock star on LinkedIn. You know, I, they don't care. If I'm a rock star on LinkedIn. They want to know I'm going to make you do this or I'm going to make your profile more interesting. So you'll get more engagement. You'll people will understand you better and connect with you more because everybody has to go through that, that sales funnel, funnel, no like trust. And, you know, if they get a little piece of you and find out what's in it for them, then they can, you can move that along kind of quicker to that trust. Uh, that's hard to get if, if you don't know somebody. Joanne, thank you so much for being on the show. First of all, I love yeah. your energy. I, I, I love your irreverence <laughs> at some points. And Crazy. I'm really going to have to reflect on the story. I'm gonna, now I'm going to have to go back and really relook at all my LinkedIn stuff, plus the stuff I put in my proposal bios with, through a new lens. So I may be reaching out to get some coaching from you on that. Great. Um, yeah. So... I hope you have a great rest of your day. I know my listening audience is going to love this podcast. All right. Well, thank you, Sarah, for having me on. This is great work. and I love your show. So thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. We hope you like what you heard. And if you did, we ask that you go over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, please be sure to share. And until next time, have a great week living a no labels, no limits, and no excuses life.